0: if not my single favorite story in the Bible about a family, and that is about a lady whose name was Hannah, and her husband's name was Elkanah. And he was a Levite. And what you need to remember about reading the book of 1 Samuel is that if you look the page before, or if you look at several pages before, you'll notice that the book Judges goes to Ruth and then to 1 Samuel so that the book of Ruth is in the time of the Judges and the beginning of 1 Samuel is at the total end of the time of Judges because Samuel will be the very first judge uh, or actually will be the very last judge in the line of Judges but the time and the culture and the society and the mindset of God's people is the same as the two previous books so you have to keep that in mind Oftentimes what happens is you read the Bible, you turn the page and you just jump out of that dispensation or that time and you forget the spiritual climate or the social climate of the hour. And God doesn't want us to forget because it's truth and the narrative. Most of the Bible is written in a narrative form. So it's not like, oh, you know, I can sit down and say, you know, what's the Bible say about anger? Let's just go to that chapter. Where's the chapter on? Raising a family. Where's the chapter on marriage? No. What God does is He puts it in a narrative form, and because truth is not bound by a time, do you understand what I'm saying? Because morality is not bound by a time, God allows us to see the same truth in different time and space. Does that make sense? So as you read the Bible, you may, oh, there's love. Oh, there's grace. Oh, there's parenting. Oh, there's marriage. Oh, there's being a jerk, or whatever. You're going to see it in different time periods through different people. By the way, praise the Lord for that. Because if it was just categorically, we would start looking around going, oh, was this just the truth for today? Or has this always been the truth? Right? And let me just settle that again. It's always been the truth. Because the truth never changes. Because God doesn't change. And because God is truth, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and because of his unchangeability, we call it immutability theologically, that means that his message is unchanging. So whatever is right today was right a thousand years ago. Right. Whatever is wrong today was wrong four thousand years ago, and so on. So that was free. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 1. So I wanted to give you a context of that before we jumped into the book here. We're going to read several verses. I'm going to preach on a godly mother, 1 Samuel chapter 1. The Bible says, Now there was a certain man. Bramathaim Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Panina. And Panina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and sacrifice unto the Lord, Of unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her, notice, sons and daughters, portions. But unto Hannah, he gave her a worthy portion. You could say that's a double portion. And here's why. Because he loved her, but the Lord had shut up her womb. I know I love this phraseology in the next several verses and her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou and why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? Probably not the best thing a man has ever said to his wife. <laughs> Verse nine. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh. That is, they. She didn't. The Bible says that. And after they had drunk, now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in. I'm sorry. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore, and she vowed a vow. And said, O Lord of hosts, if thou would indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaiden, and remember me. Don't forget that. You need to underlight that phrase in your Bible. And remember me. And not forget thine handmaiden. But will give unto thine handmaiden a man-child. Then will I give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. She's making a Nazarite vow like Samson's parents did. So there was going to be a very strict way that this young little boy is going to be raised uh, according to the vow of his mother. Verse 12, and it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now, don't ask me why the priest like Eli was inspecting people's worship. Well, that'll be a different message I'll preach next Sunday. Verse 13, now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had drunk she was a drunk and eli said unto her how long will thou be drunken put away thy wine from thee by the way i i can't i can't hold it he is such a stinking hypocrite and, and the bible's going to expose him as that i promise you next sunday you got to come back he I, I don't like i don't like eli at all this woman's trying i i can't get into it i just can't i'm not can gonna do it lord i'm just right here okay here we go verse 14 i said that verse 15 and Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I've, I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. And that's a great statement. Count not thine handmaiden for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli, realized he was wrong, answered and said, Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that uh, that thou hast asked of him. Verse 18, And she said, Let thine handmaiden find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Father, thank you for your word. Help me, Lord, to honor you today through it. I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit. In fact, Lord, just move me out of the way so that you could have the floor. Help me to be your mouthpiece. I pray that you'd give your people today understanding and Lord, as you do so, I pray that you would stir and provoke us unto love and good works. I pray that we would do that to one another. That we would provoke one another today to love and to good works. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. I pray that you'll bless your word in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. We all have a mother. In fact, my son made a profound statement last night uh, in devotions. Do you know? We all, now that I think about it, every person on earth has a mother. I said, "You're awesome." I thought he knew everything already, and just he, he just that was just a revelation of God. Everybody has a mother. So, because we all have a mother, we all kind of have expectations of what a mother should be, and each one of us play, uh, uh, and, and each one of us place or have placed certain expectations on moms at any given time. We expect mom to be there uh, when we need her the most. Uh, Mom is always just supposed to understand, even when we don't speak right. We look at her with our head like a dog and go, why can't you understand what I'm saying? You're just supposed to understand. Uh, She's always supposed to be on our side. Mom is the one person who knows everything. And if she doesn't, she'll probably just ask Alexa and then Alexa will tell her anyway. Um, We also expect moms to never get tired. We expect them to never wear out. I love the story about the frazzled mother who sent her little boy to bed and on the way back down the hallway he was mumbling himself how mumbling to himself how come every time she gets tired i'm the one that has to take a nap around here i heard about a mom who spent all day with her four kids nothing was going right she was exasperated and tired and frazzled if you've ever been there you know and just after dinner was done the dishes were still on the table all of the dishes all over the counter most of the food from the children was on the floor instead of their mouth A soul winner came to the door, knocked on the door, so she invited him in. His first question when she sat down with him was, how would you like to live forever? She looked at him tired, worn out. She said, I don't think I can handle that. (laughs) Kids break you down, man. It's a war out there. You guys just got to, it's awful. They're awful. Uh, You got to fight all the time, fight. But we expect moms never to wear out. Now, truly, there is no other job in the world that is as difficult or as heartbreaking or as rewarding as motherhood. And no other job will have the influence or the impact on the world like parenting does. 90% of teenagers still today when asked who influences them most still say, my parents. Now that's humbling. That influence can be a godly one. Or it can be an ungodly one. Now our text today is about a family who lived in a culture who had become, that had become a cesspool for immorality. It was a place of depravity. It was a place of corruption. No one said in that time, hey, let's move to Israel because I hear they got it going on. We want to raise a family in Jerusalem. We want to raise a family. No one was saying that because of the culture. But in the midst of such an immoral and lawless society, there were a there were few people who lived for God. Their lives demonstrated the line of God's holy word. They loved the Lord, and they obeyed him, and they kept his commandments, and such was the person of Hannah, Samuel's mother. I'm reminded when I think of Hannah, when I think of people like her in the Bible, the Bible says in Proverbs 31, who can find a virtuous woman, for her price is far above rubies. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all, favor is deceitful, Beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. When I read that verse, after thinking of my mother and my wife, I think of Hannah. I've always thought that way of Hannah. I will say this. I believe that every home is made stronger and better when that home has a praying mother. When that home has a mother that's dedicated to the Lord. A mother who is completely devoted and trusting of him with her life and as we'll notice today, the life of her children. Hannah was that kind of mom. So this morning, I'd like us to talk, uh, take some time and look at Hannah's life as a mother. So if you have your outline, I hope that you do. I want you to notice several things about her life very briefly this morning. Number one, we see her nagging problem. Have you ever had a nagging problem in your life? Well, I would say this. If you're a godly person, if you're, especially if you're a godly mother, you always have a problem. Because your adversary is always going to be against you having an easy life. Somebody say amen. We have an adversary who walketh about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So this family was no different. They were devoted to the Lord. In fact, Elkanah was a Levite who was not serving in the temple at the time. And we know from other Bible stories that there were Levites that weren't doing what they were supposed to do. But they were still dedicated to the Lord. For whatever reason, though they were not supposed to live in Ephraim. And in Ramah, which is where we find Elkanah, they were living there, and yet he was still faithful. What does that mean? Well, the Bible says that yearly they went up because three times a year the males were to present themselves to the Lord and bring a sacrifice. God was taking accountability for every home, and Elkanah was that faithful according to the Bible. But that's not her problem. Her her problem was really not her husband. The problem was several fold. First of all, she was barren. She had no children according to the Bible. Now, really, to us today in the modern era, this may not be a big deal to you, but it really was to her because in that culture, um, in that culture, most of the time, you only took a second wife when your first one couldn't have children. Now, what does that make you feel like? This is what I want. You're supposed to have children to hand down your heritage to because that's the whole big deal about the, the Jewish heritage, right? And so the 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 uh, Hannah couldn't have children. So, well, you can't give me what I need, so I'm going to go get it from another woman. Sound familiar? Abraham did that. And instead of asking God, they decided to take matters in their own hands. I'm not saying it was a perfect world. I'm just saying what is. Most of the time, if you couldn't bear children to pass on your heritage, they took a second wife. So that was really the beginning of her problems, but that wasn't the only problem. First of all, she was barren. Second of all, she was bullied about it. She was bullied. The other wife in the picture took pleasure in calling attention to the fact that she could bear children to Elkanah, the ones that he wanted, And the fact that Hannah couldn't. I've given him children. What have you given him? Oh, nothing. I don't know how it went down. down. But the Bible says that she provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. There it is. Everything that she said revolved around that matter. And you talk about, you ever had somebody say, boy, that guy just knows how to push my buttons. Or she just knows that's the button. Oh, you can't provide children? Have you seen all of mine? Oh oh you are you pregnant? No you're not pre- again. Not this year. Okay, well, guess what? I just had another daughter. Guess what? I just had another. So you get the picture. It wasn't just that she was bare a uh, 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 barren she was bullied. The word provoke means to vex or to be indignant. Now, it's interesting to me. You'd think that she would feel sorry for Hannah. But that's not the case. She was actually jealous of Hannah because her husband showed her more love. The Bible says That Elkanah loved Hannah. And when it came time to go to the yearly sacrifice. Which by the way they didn't have to go. But they did. And when they would go. Elkanah would give her. His portions to all of his other kids. And to his other wife. But to Hannah. Man it was a boatload. It was I want to show you more. And the Bible says why. Because Elkanah loved Hannah. Hannah was his first choice. By the way it was the right choice. He made the wrong choice later. He made the right choice. So she was bullied. Thirdly, she was burdened. She was burdened. You get this now. Insecurity is one thing, but not meeting expectations and then being reminded of it every day. The Bible, so that the Bible says she did so year by year. Being reminded of it every day by the adversary is enough to bring anyone to the ground. Notice the word that the Bible uses. It says it, it, she provoked her uh, uh, in verse six, make her fret. That word is irritated. In fact, the root of that word means to tremble like thunder. Boy, that's pretty vexed. That's not a happy time. You kind of get the idea that the family atmosphere, especially around time to go to the sacrifice, to actually worship the Lord wasn't the best time for Hannah. In fact, the way I read it, every single day was not the best day for Hannah. She had to live with that. She was reminded at every meal, at every time she said goodnight, when she heard the prayers going up with her, uh, with her, uh, with her husband's other wife's children, every time they did anything like that, that, she was reminded. I don't have any kids, but she does. Psalm 42, verse 11 says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance. Can I ask you this morning, what's your nagging problem? What's that problem that just eats at you that's constantly there? As soon as you wake up or you open your eyes or you get in that one form of circumstance or situation, and there it is. It just shows itself. It's that one thing that you wake up with to and live all the day long for. Well, if you're a mother who's trying to live for the Lord, chances are you have some kind of burden that you live with at all times and at times like all of us. It can get the best of you, can it? We see her nagging problems. Secondly, I'm so thankful that we see her fervent prayer. Her fervent prayer. What do you do when your soul is vexed? When you're irritated? When you're burdened? What do you do? When you feel worthless? When you feel helpless? What do you do? When you feel empty? What do you do... When you feel like you can't live up to expectations of everybody else on the planet. What do you do when you're faced with a problem that just doesn't seem to go away? Well, Hannah did what we all should do. And that is she put the problem in the hands of the almighty God. Verses 9 through 16 record what Hannah did as she went and she prayed. And I remembered the Bible says in James five sixteen, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avail of much. You know, it's interesting when you study the prayers of the Bible, what you find, first of all, when you look at her prayer, you see Hannah's reference to God. In in verse 9, the Bible says she went to pray and she prayed this way. In verse 11, she vowed a vow and said, notice this, O Lord of hosts. Now to us, that just kind of seems weird. I, I don't know about you. When I pray, I don't say, O Lord of hosts. I say a lot of other things. I use some of the names of God. But I've never said, O Lord of hosts. Um, It's an interesting term. It's actually a name of royalty. It's actually the name that refers to God as the supreme ruler over all of the universe. Um, He's the one that's in control of all things. She's recognizing him as the sovereign Lord of everything. What a great way to address God. Lord, I'm coming to you today as the Lord of hosts. Now, that may be uncomfortable, but you could say something like this. God, I'm coming before you today, and I recognize that you are in control of all things. Yeah. I think God hears things like that. I, I think he hears and remembers things like that. Oh, Lord of hosts. Psalm 24 and verse 10. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Psalm 47 and verse 2. For the Lord most high is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. Now that word terrible, we use it as this spaghetti is terrible. This burrito is terrible. This this road we're on, on the 101 between whatever, pick a lane, is terrible. We use it in a negative sense, but the Bible uses it in a powerful sense. God it's not just almighty. He is a terrible God. Now, as soon as we hear that, because we're trained to say, oh, that's negative. We think, why is the Bible talking negative about God? Do you think honestly God would talk negative about himself? Because God is holy. See, if you know the character of God, you'll never doubt the Bible. If God is holy, he can't be terrible. If he's always good, he can't be terrible, right? You can't, he's not going to be good and bad, right? So what does it mean? Well, since you brought it up, It means that he's amazing. It means that he should be feared and reverenced. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You cannot tell me from Scripture that Hannah didn't know God. And she didn't know who he was and why things were happening like they were. God was in control. At least at this point, she recognized that. We know that Hannah and her husband were devoted to the Lord and giving their sacrifices every year. But they hadn't committed this part of their lives to prayer Now, before you knock them for going year after year after year, just think about the last time you took a problem to God finally instead of firstly. You see, the fact of the matter is the Bible in the narrative reveals not just how awesome God is, but how lukewarm I am and how needful I am of God and to recognize the things that God brings up. Thankfully, They reached the conclusion together, and this statement reminds us all that every circumstance that you and I go through is in the hands of God. Hannah feared and revered God, and she addresses before she asked. She said, I want you to know where my heart is, O Lord of hosts. I recognize that you have it all in your hand. Secondly, we see her request to God in verse 11. If thou wilt indeed Look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child. Oh, the request, instead of living in a problematic state, again, look, it's already been years. We can guesstimate somewhere between two and four years at the outset, five. But somewhere in the weaning stages here for two to three, maybe four years, uh, she lives with this, this idea that, okay, Rather than living in my perpetual state of irritation or bitterness, I'm done with it. I don't want to be bitter anymore. Somebody say amen. I don't want to be angry anymore. I don't want to deal with this problem anymore. I'm going to give it over to God. Instead of living in a problematic state, she casts her cares before the Lord and she asks for a baby. What a precious, precious prayer request. God, will you give us a baby? My kids, have all taken for granted. When I, when we, just like we did, right? When we get married, we're going to have this many kids, and they're all going to be healthy. They're all going to be beautiful. My kids. Well, when we have a family, and I always go, if the Lord blesses you with children, because nowadays I can't believe how many people can't have kids. And you may be in here, and you've struggled with it, and 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 you can't have any more. I I I. I am burdened for you. For any woman that wants to have children and cannot have children. Oh my goodness. That has to be an amazing burden to bear. And that was her. That's something that you probably know somebody. Who's always wanted to have a child and can't. And they they wear that burden. I immediately think of Don Holly in our church. 12 years she was married. Beg God for kids. Beg God for kids. Gave it over to God. And then adopted children. And then God said, now, here's what I'm going to do. You're going to have three more yourself. God, God God's a comedian. <laughs> he really is. Just when you need him most, he's always there. It's amazing. She just makes a request to God. And, and, and she recognizes her circumstances in his hands and simply asks for a son and left it there settled. The Bible says that she went away and was no more sad. How is that possible? So she brought it up. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. Friend, that wasn't even written at the time, but she had already memorized it. She knew. Man, I've given this over to the Lord. And here's the idea. If I have a baby or if I don't, I'm not going to be sad anymore because I know the Lord of hosts. If he deems it necessary for me to live barren or to live bountiful, I've accepted that whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. It's amazing. It's amazing. But it doesn't just stop at her request. She doesn't just say, God, would you please give me a baby? And by the way, that's not a bad, not a a bad prayer. She goes on, she makes a promise to God. She makes a promise. Now, you've got to understand, you've got to remember that God takes our promises very seriously. So how do you know that? Well, because the Bible tells us what God thinks about a vow. If a man vow a vow unto the Lord, or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. In fact, Ecclesiastes says, uh, Solomon wrote, When thou vowest to vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in a fool. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better it is that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. Oh, she knew exactly what she was getting into. You see, her husband was a Levite. That family knew the word of God. That means that Numbers was a part of what that family knew. They lived with it. He was a Levite. He was supposed to be schooled in the law. And so, what does she say? Well, in verse 11, but will give unto thy handmaid a man child, then here is the I will. I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. I'll give him back. Hannah promised that if God would give her a son, that she would give him back to the Lord forever. The word give there means to dedicate, it means to consecrate or to entrust, it means to hand over to. What did Hannah do? Well, she trusted God so much. Listen carefully. She trusted God so much that just a few years with a son would be more fulfilling than no, uh, a that, that, uh, son that she could have uh, uh, for the rest of her life. It would be enough. Just a few years would be enough. You know what that's called? That's called grace. That's unbelievable. Would be more fulfilling than no son at all even. Lord, if you'll give me a son. I promise I will give him right back to you, and he'll serve you all the days of his life. By the way, that's why we dedicate our children to the Lord. Amen. This is the passage where the Bible says she lent him or give. It's the word where we dedicate and say, God, this child, we recognize this from you, and we know that all, all things are in your hands, and we are giving ourselves to taking this child and putting them, uh, putting them before you and putting you first. That's what Hannah did. Amen. She put God first and said, I want you to know you're first. If you give me this child, I'm going to prove it. I'm going to give it right back. By the way, that wouldn't be the first person in the Bible that's given a son over. Abraham did it. Abraham did it in a very real, very personal way. But I also want you to know that God did it. So this is how committed I am to the perfect will. I'm going to give you my son. I'm going to die for your sin, because if you die in your sin... You won't get why I've made you. I won't get you, and I've created you. But I want to save you. So I'm going to give you my son. Amen. Something is amazing about this story when you read what happens next and how God phrased it. We see her prayer. Thirdly, we see her great privilege. The Bible says in verse 19, we didn't read this part, and they rose up in the morning early, worshiped before the Lord, and returned, and came to their house, to Ramah. And Ocana knew Hannah, his wife. I love, by the way, the discretion of the Bible. It doesn't have to be vulgar. It, it, it just has to be true. So that's why the Bible says that he knew his wife. And the Lord remembered her. You remember her prayer request? Yep. Remember me. Yep. Isn't it interesting that God said, and I remember what you said. By the way, just in case you're wondering, God doesn't forget anything. Right. He, doesn't forget, he doesn't forget what you said. And he certainly doesn't forget what he says. Right. The Lord remembered her. I love that part of this passage. Now watch. Verse 20. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bear a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. I'm so stinking excited. Uh, let, 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 let's just see this. It was a privilege. Are you, are you still humbled by the amazing grace of God? Or have you gotten used to it? See, grace is getting something that we don't deserve. While mercy is, getting, is not getting what we do deserve. Either one is a privilege. Amen. And this story reminds us of the great privilege to answers of prayer. Samuel was a gift from God. And Hannah saw that. Oh, my goodness. First of all, let's just think about it. Number one she was remembered of God. That's a privilege. Let me say it again. Prayer is a privilege. So when God remembers the prayer and answers it, it's a greater privilege. God remembered Hannah and it was her privilege. Isn't it nice to be heard and remembered? It's always nice to be remembered on your birthday, remembered on Mother's Day. It's a great day today. To remember and think back. We we have a whole national holiday. Where we go back and we remember. And count the blessings of God. And we remember the Lord's death. Until he come at the Lord's table. It's great to be remembered. And and to be remembered for something. That they've accomplished. Motherhood is a great accomplishment. And for all that they've done. and, and, And how they've gotten us to this point. But the Bible says. That God remembered Hannah. Very specifically. That is he thought about her on purpose. See, most of us don't remember on accident. Okay. Some things pop into our head, but most of us don't remember on accident. In fact, I've lost more things on accident that I can't remember even trying to think about it. My, my, my wife says continually, honey, that is not what you said. No, I, that's what I said. No. And, 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 and I, I, I'm so convincing about how I remember that I've convinced my kids. No, I, I even heard dad say that and, and I, and I'm totally wrong. Right. But when you, have you ever thought about something and you think, well, here, I'll give you an example. Here about a week or so ago, I lost an item in my house and I couldn't for the life of me remember where it was. Uh, they were actually my sunglasses and I had put them on and, you know, wearing them around in and out of the church or whatever. And I had gone through the buildings and I could not find my sunglasses. And I spent three days and these sunglasses I've had for like four or five years and They're pretty expensive. And I thought, I ain't getting a pair of sunglasses. Not, not, I'm just not. I can't, they've got to be somewhere. I pulled apart the vehicles, I pulled apart the house. I went through. My wife says, just like every, every other wife, honey, just think about where you were. I've been doing that. <laughs> Do you think I haven't done that? I've been, <laughs> all right. Okay, I did this, I did that. So I went in every single room. After I had been in all the rooms in the church, I went back into the rooms with the lights on. Ah, that'll, you'll get that later on the way home. And I looked again. I pulled apart this entire church. I looked I looked in the bathrooms. I looked everywhere, outside, inside, everything. For three, four days went by, five days went by. And I said, <laughs> it was awful. It was awful. And, uh, and so after five days, I started praying about it. Huh. <laughs> Don't laugh at me, hypocrites. After five days, I started praying about it. And I said, Lord, I, it's just a pair of sunglasses, but uh, can you please help me remember? Please. Doesn't that sound, it sounds kind of foolish when you do that. Doesn't it? It's like praying for a parking spot. Why don't you pray for a parking spot? So you don't find one? Just park way out there. Or they're going to scratch your car anyway. You know. So I started praying. I prayed one day, went by, yeah. I didn't find my sunglasses. And I just knew the Lord was going to go, they we're going to appear or they would float in my office. I mean, now that's what I'm saying. It didn't happen that way. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. I couldn't sleep. I was laying out on the couch. I couldn't sleep. Shaky leg syndrome. My daughter says I have or something. I couldn't sleep. So I was laying out there. And just as I was drifting off to sleep, I literally went, boop, they're in the youth room. I literally did that. And I was like, no way, God, are you serious? I looked in there with the lights off. But I looked in there. It's the one room I didn't check the second time. But I was so stinking excited to get to work the next day. I got up, I put on my clothes, I said, I love you, and I told my wife, I said, I think the Lord showed me, now this sounds pretty weird, doesn't it, out of a Baptist preacher, I think the Lord showed me last night in a dream. Oh. <laughs> I think he showed me where my sunglasses were. She goes, good, we'll go get them. I literally came on the property turned the alarm off, walked out there, opened the door, and they were sitting right on the counter. I'm telling you, I had revival in that room. I said, God, you are awesome! You remembered me! It was awesome! Now look, that sounds like a little thing, but having a baby was not a little thing to Hannah. It was a big thing! And she laid it out to God, and God said, I remembered what you said! And to her, it was a privilege Oh, it was a great privilege. Psalm 98 and verse three, he hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. If you're saved, that's a privilege. Because when you ask God to save you, he answered it. What a privilege. What if God said you can get saved and you say yes. And he goes up, just kidding. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. You got to do more. You haven't done enough. You got to give more. That's not what God does. If you come to God by faith, he remembers that. And he answered it just like he did. And that's a privilege. It was her privilege to be remembered by God. Secondly, it was her privilege to be reminded of God. Well, what does that mean? Well, Hannah was so privileged in her heart to have a child that she named her boy Samuel. Samuel means the name of God or asked of God. So whenever she said the word samuel what did it mean that's my privilege that's a gift from god see we name p we go on google and we say what's the most popular names in 2021 and it comes up all that they come up or you know whatever year you had your children right they come up it used to not be like that because there was no internet i know that's shocking before anything you could ask anything else you had to think of well you know my family has a John, or my family has a Robert, or my family has a David, and so we'll name it after a family name. Not today. Nobody has the same names that their families did anymore. They have the middle name, which kind of covered up, which is kind of a bad thing, because the only way it gets mentioned is if they're in trouble. Right. Kyle Preston? Oh, yeah, that's my uncle's name on my dad's sister's side. And, you know, it never gets mentioned. Whenever Samuel was mentioned, especially in Hebrew names, it means something. It meant something. I asked God for you. And every time she looked at that little boy in his eyes, she was reminded that God remembered her. Amen. And because of that, she didn't want to forget God. Yeah. Let me say that again. It's important, according to God, that we don't forget him. Amen. It was her privilege. The Bible says in Psalm 16, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart was glad and my glory rejoiced. With my flesh also shall rest in hope. Psalm 103 and verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like eagles. All of our life is a privilege by God. Your children may not be named Samuel, but I hope that you have an act of love and appreciation to God for the blessings on your life, especially if you have kids. We give thanks to God always for you, Paul said, making mention of you in our prayers. You see, she promised to give her child back to God. She promised to. The question is, will she follow through with it? It's one thing for a parent to promise God something, especially with her kids. It's a whole other thing to follow through. It's a whole other thing to do what you promised to God. God, if you give me a baby, I'll be faithful to your house all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, if you give me a baby, I'll read my Bible every day. I will bring that child up in the nurture and administer of the Lord. I vow it. God, you gave us this kid. Even if we didn't pray for it, you blessed us with this child. We understand that it's a gift of God. And I'm committing myself to you that I'm going to raise it up in the house of God. I'm going to pray for it. I'm going to cherish it. I get it. We've all been there. We've all said to God after our service, I will. Like David in Psalm 101. But Hannah was more than just words to God. She was a woman of God. Number four, we see her humble presentation and I'm done. The Bible tells us that Hannah wouldn't go up any longer to Shiloh with her husband until Samuel was weaned, as I said before. But that day was coming, and it finally came. The day that it finally came, she went up with her family and presented Samuel to God, and her heart was not sad. Her heart was full and running over, and her relationship with God was bursting with faith and joy, and contentment. The day that she would no longer have her little boy, I, I, when we had our school, uh, you'd see moms every year for 20 years drop off their kids to kindergarten, and you'd think they were a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> my baby to kindergarten. Yeah, 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 yeah. What'd you do? Well, I dropped off my kid at school. And you're going to come pick him up, Hopefully. We're not going to carry them off to India or something. They'll be fine, right? Oh, my they growing up so fast. Yep. It grows up so fast, doesn't it? She's going to leave home. She's going to marry a dude, and you're going to hate his guts. I have first hand knowledge of that. It's going to rub you raw. Brother Greeley, it's going to be bad. Oh, it's going to be bad. And I'm going to laugh. I'm going to laugh. And I'm going to mail you card every day. I'm going to send you a note every day. Or text. <laughs> H-A-H-A-H-A. That's bad. She didn't go to the temple, or she didn't go to the tabernacle of Shiloh with a bitter spirit. And what she says reveals it. Notice with me at the end of chapter 1, verse 24. When she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephra of flour, a bottle of wine, and brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh. Shiloh and the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. What a jerk. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he's yours. He shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Verse chapter 2 and verse 1. And Hannah prayed. And I want you to see this. Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoiceth. You could honestly say that is the exact antithesis of fret, of being vexed. My heart rejoiceth, not because I have a baby. My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. <laughs> There is none holiest, the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty men are broken. The bows of the mighty men are broken. And they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread. And they that were hungry ceased, so that the barren hath borne seven And she that hath many children is waxed feeble. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill. To set them among the princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he hath set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints and the wicked shall be silent in darkness for by strength shall no men prevail; the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Out of heaven shall He thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth, and He shall give strength unto His king, and He exalt and exalt the horn of His anointed. And, and Elkanah, by the way, Elkanah went to Ramah to his house, and the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli the priest. Do you get the idea that her relationship? With God, is a little different. (laughs) The Bible says she went before the Lord and wept sore. She grieved and bore a burden. And she went away and was no more sad. Doesn't mean that she wasn't burdened. She just wasn't sad about it. And now, because of God, she has so much more to say about him. Pretty in-depth, isn't it? I mean, it's huge. What do you have to say about God? What do you know of personal answer to fervent prayer so that you could return praise to God like that woman did? Man, if you, if you say to me, show me a godly woman in the Bible, I'm going to Hannah first. Amen. I'll get to Mary, but I'm going to Hannah first. Because honestly, Mary's circumstances were difficult to deal with, but she didn't live in the cesspool of the time of the judges. Now remember that? The context when everybody was doing that, which is right in their own eyes. Socially, there was no true devotion to God. They were just running around doing whatever they wanted to. And here's a woman and a man who's just trying to do right. It says, God, all I want to do is worship you. And I recognize now that though I don't like my circumstances, I'm going to give them over to you. And when they did, everything changed. Well, really, not honestly, they changed. When we experience God's grace and mercy and recognize it for its magnificence, everything changes. Not with us. Not with God, but with us. You see, to Hannah, God was very personal now. So much that even just a few years that she was able to spend with her little boy contented her forever. Think about that. JB and Nora are here to pick up Ginger's. This is her last Sunday and. They have a little boy that's back in class. He's three. Absolutely beautiful. He said to me today, I'm here from my homeland. I said, I got down on one knee and I said, welcome to my homeland. I said, was the journey long? Yes, it was. I felt I was talking to the shortest adult I've ever talked to in my life. It's amazing. He's so precious. Now imagine... Nora, if you took that baby and you said god i'm never going to see him again he's yours however whatever you do with him he's giving him to eli look we're going to talk about eli that guy is awful his own boys are wretches they know not god that's the bible they don't know the lord and i'm giving my answer to prayer to that guy this overweight hypocrite that can't even raise his own kids you talk about faith, friend? That is unbelievable in my eyes. A godly mother? Yeah, I'm running to Hannah right there. And I want to have that kind of relationship with my God, but I won't have that relationship if I don't know how to take my circumstances and bear them before God and trust Him that no matter what happens to my circumstances, you are the Lord of hosts. Amen. Huge. She was no longer focused on what she couldn't do or didn't have. She was focused on what only God could do. Amen. Yeah. And she gave testimony to that. Her prayer of praise is a testament to God's grace. What a mom. Strength through humility and surrender. God, I've surrendered. There's no greater devotion than here's my baby. So let me make a few conclusions and we're done. Letter A. I believe with all of my heart, the Bible teaches that true surrender begins with prayer. You can tell me, you can tell me, oh, I surrender to God whenever, okay, I don't believe you unless you have done it and continue to do it in prayer. Because every time you turn around, when you read of Hannah's narrative, God's bringing up her prayer and bringing up the results of her prayer. True surrender begins with prayer. Secondly, genuine prayer begins with praise. O thou Lord of hosts, I have just found it in my life a whole lot easier to ask of God something after I have praised and thanked him for everything else, because there's always, always, always something to be thankful for. True surrender begins with prayer. Genuine prayer begins with praise. Thirdly, authentic prayer comes from a heart of faith. Authentic. We could call it effectual fervent prayer comes from a heart of faith. You, you can't deny Hannah who just trusted God. And because of that letter D, real faith is always rewarded by God. Now I want you to look down at verse 21. This is, this is, but wait, there's more. Okay. So she gives them over. The, the Bible goes through a narrative. We'll read that next week about going between Samuel and this godly mother and father. And an ungodly father and his wretched, heathen, pagan sons who are pretending to be religious. Okay, But in the middle of all that, the Bible scrubs out a little portion. And I want you to look in verse 20. And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord. Speaking of Samuel. And they went into their own home. And the Lord now just just doesn't remember. He visited Hannah so that she conceived. Watch. And bear three sons and two daughters. What? And then it says, and Samuel grew before the Lord. So it wasn't just, God, I'm going to give this son to you, and that's it. God says, Oh, I'll take him, but watch this. When you give to me, I give back, and what I give, I give more of. I'm going to give you sons, I'm going to give you daughters, and I'm going to give you the privilege of watching your little boy grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's why John said, I have no greater joy than to hear or see my children walk in the truth. Man, you cannot tell me Hannah's life was not full and running over. Talk about abundant life. By the way, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. When you read Hebrews eleven six, I hope to God the Spirit of God throws you all the way back to First Samuel and say, That's Hannah. Hannah sought God. Hannah had faith, and Hannah was rewarded for it. Yeah. Everyone has problems. Even the perfect mom. But what makes the difference is what we do with the problems. When we take them before the Lord and surrender to his will and commit ourselves by faith, you know what he does? He remembers. He remembers us right where we are, and he rewards us when we get to where we need to be by faith. Father in heaven, we love you, and we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. So grateful today, God, for the Bible. What a grace, what a favor that you've given to us in this great book. God, today we read of a very choice woman. Lord, it's amazing how many verses you dedicated to this couple, and I think there's, that's not by accident. Lord, I I believe there are women in this room who want to be like Hannah. There may be women in this room that began like Hannah. And today they want to finish like Hannah. I pray that you'd encourage them. I pray that you'd help them. As husbands, Lord, I pray that we would not stand by and watch our wives pull a family like some lead sled dog. Rather, I hope that we would recognize the blessing and the privilege of a godly mother. And Lord, I pray today that there would be people in this room, mother or not, female or male, that would surrender to that kind of life, a committed, devoted life of prayer and full trust in God. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to ask Jenna just to play hymn of invitation this morning. I wonder, I wonder if I could pray for the moms and I'd like to segregate them today. If you could, if you could and you feel led of the Lord, would you just get up out of your seat and come right down here in the front and stand right here before me? I just want to pray for you. It doesn't matter what the decision is. God, I want to be a Hannah. I started like a Hannah. Lord, I, I want to finish like a Hannah. God, I've got off track. Whatever it is, I'd like to pray for you. Maybe you don't have children yet. But one day, God willing, God will give them to you. You say, God, before I even have, ladies, just come right here and fill right in this front. If God gives me children, I want to be a Hannah. I, I want, I want to dedicate myself and my kids to God. I, I want to finish this race that God has put before me. Now, guys, if, you're, if your woman is up here, I want you to pray for her. Because what she's about to do is not easy. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be very difficult. And I want you to pray for your life to walk beside and hold on to this woman's hand. And show her what a loving leader like Christ is. These ladies are here because they want they want to know the God of Hannah. And so I'm going to pray for them. I want you to pray for them. I don't know the burdens that they bear. I don't. I don't. But I know this, if they love God, they've got them. They're carrying them, and they do it every day. And they do it without complaint most days. And if they do, they regret it. Now, I pray that as a church, not only would we honor mothers, but we would honor them in a godly fashion, striving to help them in every way. And so, ladies, I want to pray for you this, this afternoon, and I just want God to bless you. I, I want you to to pray to the Lord. You may need to say, God, I've not been the mom you called me to be. Lord, Lord, I, I, I was walking that way. Now I've, I've stopped. And I want to ask you to forgive me. But I want you to dedicate yourself. Before you can ever give over your children, you've got to give yourself to God. And I want to pray for you this morning. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for these ladies. God, I want the richest and most full blessing on their life. I pray, God, that you'd give them, again, great strength, Lord, for their journey. They want to be like Hannah. And God, I can't wait to get to heaven and meet people and see more of the back picture. But God, I don't, I don't know that I really need to because I have a mom. I'm married to a mom. And for 30 years, I've watched her raise children. These ladies down here, Lord, are raising or have raised kids. And yet, God, some of them, though their time of raising children is over, they still want to be like Hannah. They want to commit themselves and even their kids to you. I thank you for their heart of faith. I thank you for their heart and desire to be the kind of mother that you have them to be, that you want them to be. And, oh, God, I pray that you'd hear their prayers. Every woman here, God, when they bow their knee in the morning, wants to be remembered of you. And, Lord, they want to put things before them that will help them and cause them to never forget you, to be reminded of you. And, God, I just pray for their help. I pray for their homes. I pray that their husbands and their children would be a help. God, help us to be a better help. May we not take them for granted. May we encourage them. May we strive together with them, not against them. God, none of these ladies are enemies, in their home. And yet many times, because of that old devil, something is said, we receive it wrongly, and the next thing you know, the home's out of balance. I pray today for peace in their homes. I pray for peace in their heart. I pray for great grace just to be shed upon them. And I pray, God, that every single day they wake up, they open their eyes, that they would see the privilege of knowing you as they go before your throne, I pray that they would lay their burdens down like we do today. God, every burden in this room, I pray, has been laid down. And I pray we would leave here no more sad, but glad. And Lord, I pray that each and every day our heart would rejoice, not because our prayer requests may be answered, but rather that we would rejoice in the Lord and we would do so always pray that you bless the remainder of our day. May these ladies feel special. May they feel loved. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to show our gratitude. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.